You are listening to 4, Raw, from 4, Fields of Anfield Road, the world's international LFC podcast. Official podcast of four fields of Anfield Road. We are at www.foresight. That's F-O-A-R-S-I-T-E.com. A great international community of Reds. My name is Joe, and I'm your host for this show. But this is not any ordinary show. This is a special edition of Four Raw where I have a chat with James Pierce on holiday with his family in Singapore. Yes, the James Pierce from the Liverpool Echo. Who else? James so graciously said yes, and we spent an hour talking all things Liverpool from Kiev to ITKs, the summer transfer window, where Liverpool need to improve, what's next for the players, and we also find out more about James himself. Now, the audio is not perfect because we recorded this sitting outside a juice bar, sitting next to James's two million pound yacht, which he borrowed from John Henry. <laughs> hey, do us a favor. Please subscribe to our shows on iTunes or on a variety of podcast platforms such as Podcast Addict, Player FM, Google Music, and be notified of new episodes. It's all free. Search Forecast. Once again, that's F-O-A-R-C-A-S-T. That's it. Now, on to the show. Enjoy. Well, uh, thanks for joining us uh, on this show. Uh, this is For Raw. Um, as I've said before, my name is Joe. I am the host uh, of the show. Um, and as always, I am not alone. I have three special guests with me, uh, and one of them is an extremely special guest. Um, say hi, James Pierce. Hello, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for saying uh, saying yes to being on the show. Firstly, because I know you're on holiday. Um, but as I said before, we started. You know, I, when I found out that James was uh, in Singapore, I just returned from Italy. I was three weeks away in Italy, 
Um, and I popped on a plane, came back, and a message came out on Twitter. And I said, "Okay, uh, he's going to be in Singapore." I said, "Okay, I've got to, to get him. I've got to, I've got to find him. I've got to hunt him down." And I feel like Liam Neeson here a little bit. But okay, so you I've got, got him. You got I, got, I got him. I've got him. Um, but again, he's not the uh, only guy that's here. Um, we've got uh, two gentlemen here from the. Uh, official Liverpool Supporters Club of Singapore. Say hi, Henry. Hello. And say hi, Lokman. Hi, Lokman here. Okay. Um, first and foremost, um, okay. Usually in Singapore, um, when we when we have a, a visitor, a foreigner, okay, um, you know, we give garlands and <laughs> stuff like that. We don't have that. I don't have uh, that. I'm not prepare that. <laughs> but what I do have is this Liverpool towel. Okay. That's beautiful. Which I'm gonna wrap around you. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to, to Singapore. Thank you. Okay, just to let you know that I used to swaddle, swaddle in this when I was a kid. And since this is a new LLC logo, which means I'm only two years old. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. I'll take this off. Sunsets. <laughs> okay. Um, usually our shows are quite um, irreverent, quite funny. Um, we, we try to keep it that way and people love us for that. But, um, but let's, let's get to it a, a, a little bit. Um, okay, we know that this holiday is a bit long overdue because... Liverpool made it somehow to <laughs> yeah. Champions League final in Kiev. Um, very emotional ride to the final. Um, the, the team captured the imagination of Reds all over the world. Um, lots of new songs were sung um, and people were just singing it with their hearts and their emotions. And we got to Kiev and then the final happened as it happened. Tell us your thoughts. How do you how do you how do you describe how do you describe this journey? How do you describe that journey to the final and this game and everything that came out after that? Yeah, I mean it was ultimately it was a a sad and pretty cruel end to a thrilling journey. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be with Liverpool every step of the way from the qualifying round win over Hoffenheim back yeah. in August. And when I think back to then, I remember when that when that draw for the qualifying round was, was made it was actually Hoffenheim was probably the most difficult game yeah. Liverpool could have got and yeah. if you'd said then that nine months on Liverpool would be playing Real Madrid in the final I don't think anyone would have believed you um, yeah I must admit I, I booked this family holiday in November <laughs> for, for May the 24th because I, I didn't think for a minute that Liverpool <clears throat> would be part of the Champions League final because yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Liverpool hadn't even played a knockout tie in the Champions League since 2009, yeah. and we always talk about how you know you need that European experience, yeah. and and you only gather that over a period of years. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it just it just generated this amazing momentum, um, and obviously, you know, it was not just winning, but the 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 manner in which Liverpool did it was just awe-inspiring. Really, you know, the when you think no team has ever scored so many goals en route to a Champions League final. And you think of the, the thrashings of Spartak Moscow and Maribor and you know, probably the most impressive was the home win against Manchester City. I think this was the season when Anfield really came alive again as I think as a as a real fortress. You know, you look at going through the entire Premier League season at home unbeaten and what Anfield was like on those big European nights. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it just built up and up and up. Yeah. Um you know, and the, obviously the the absolute sheer brilliance of Salah and yep. Firmino and Mane and all the other big contributions along the way, and yep. yeah, it was just sad that they couldn't they couldn't just finish the job off. And I was that obviously step. yeah, I mean because we've 
it's another near miss, isn't it? And you think, you know, I've been doing, I've been the Echoes Liverpool reporter now since um, early 2011, just after Kenny Dalglish uh, came back um, for his second spell in charge, and it's just another kind of you know, frustration in the end because there's been a lot of near misses. You think about the Premier League title challenge 2014. You think about the uh, obviously now we've we've lost Champions League finals, Europa League finals, FA Cup finals, and League Cup finals, um, and it's just you know it's, it's been it was so much so many positive things to come out from the season, but I think it was it was over it? it was no not really no okay. no it was heartbreaking. I, mean, I think you know what I, speaking to a lot of obviously speaking to a lot of Liverpool fans in Kiev Airport last Sunday morning when everyone was waiting trying to get a flight home and are they still stuck there the, uh, that's the question I, was, I think most of them should have got back by now I don't uh, you know I spoke you know just uh, met met some people with unbelievable stories to tell in terms of one one father and son who'd got to the Polish border in a motorhome and the U- Ukrainian officials wouldn't let them go across the border in the motorhome so they had to leave the motorhome at the Polish border okay. and get a 300 mile taxi to Kiev the um, you know and other guys who had you know had, had you know been to one guy had said he'd been to six different capital cities yeah. in the in the previous twenty four hours just to try and get to Kiev and yeah. so and and some couldn't make it as well yeah and, I mean even it, at the, flights cancelled flights cancelled like the yeah. day before mm. it was um, you know heartbreaking for those people but you know it must have been forty thousand Liverpool fans in Kiev and I think. In, in the end, I think what would have been easier to take is if Real Madrid completely outplayed Liverpool, if Ronaldo you know, ran the show, and yeah. and then I think then you'd look back and go, do you know what? We were just beaten by a better team. But I don't think Liverpool were beaten by a better team on the night. I think everything just went against them. You know, from the injury to Mohamed Salah to Loris Karius. I mean, you can't you can't plan for something like that. I mean, I felt so sorry for Karius because you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy to, to, to go through something like that and ultimately those two massive mistakes cost cost Liverpool the trophy okay so this is very much um, and obviously you're speaking to us here as a fan yeah okay uh, not as James Spears reporter for the Liverpool Echo um, but as a fan okay so that's that's the context here um, so that's very much uh, from perspective of fans um, what do you think How's the mood been like for players? I know you probably have a sense immediately after the game, and then you have, you left as well. Um, do you think it's it's as deflationary? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no question. Them? They were they were absolutely <clears throat> devastated when they those players came out of the dressing room, and you know they were. I know from speaking to a couple of them that the the flight back was very very quiet, and you know they obviously if the result had been different, you know it would have been probably you know a real party playing that that journey back and there were plans in place for the parade around the city which you know those, those scenes would have been unbelievable you know when you think about you know I think there was a million people on the streets yeah. after Istanbul and we would have seen something similar so as it was I think they, they landed back at John London Airport about five o'clock in the morning all said their goodbyes and, and went their separate ways so yeah just a a sad end really and I think yeah. yeah you could sense that with the players that yeah. you know even someone like Andy Robertson who's you know you think about how you know, he's been on a meteoric rise in terms of his journey but you know, even he I, you know I don't even think he could see the positives amidst the, the devastation on Saturday night you know he had his his medal was, was tucked away in his wash bag when when, when we did, did an interview with him because 
it's not what Liverpool wanted. I think in in time, you know, that pain will all all reduce and they'll be able to put put it in context and be proud of what they've achieved this season. But I think yeah, at the moment it's probably still too raw. I saw um I saw Dejan Lovren's Instagram and he he's obviously on national team duty and he was standing next to Luka Modric um, and, it was, and of course they were training and he says I'm still not talking to him because it's still war <laughs> yeah uh, you know so of course it's a half tease half serious um, yeah kind of thing um, let's, let's talk about a little bit about the game we won't not get too much into it but we have to talk about the Ramos um, incident once again, you're you're sharing from a perspective as your as a fan. Um, what do you think of that incident? Well, there are two incidences. Yeah. One is the, the the arm thing, and the other one there was a headbutt thing on Harris, which doesn't get talked about as much. Yeah, look, I, I must admit, when, at the time, I thought it was all pretty innocuous, and, and obviously, I don't think the, the referee didn't certainly didn't spot it, did he, at the time? What, what Ramos had done, and then you see the replay and. You know, clearly it's a very, very cynical foul. He, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think he, he didn't, he didn't know that that was going to take Salah out of the game. You know, it was, he, he wanted to. I think we call it roughing people up, don't we? I think he wanted to rough Salah up, and and certainly he never let go of his arm, did he? When you watch the replay again, he made sure that he was going to land awkwardly, but he, he still he didn't, he didn't know for. He, he didn't know that he was going to inflict serious injury on, on Salah. I think there's a degree of... It was a bit of a freak occurrence, exactly how he landed. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, Sergio Ramos. I think he's the kind of player that if he plays for you, you love him. And if he plays against you, you hate him. Um, you know, Liverpool have had a few players like that over the years. Um, probably not, not in recent history, but going further back. And it was very very cynical but yeah. you'd have to say from from yeah. Ramos's point of view it was it was job done in terms of you know it was he he couldn't have known when he did that he'd be taking Salah out the game but there's no doubt that that was a turning point because until that until that stage Liverpool had been much the better team yeah. and in the in the build up to the game people talked about nerves and how Liverpool would handle the occasion I don't think that came into it at all Liverpool were much the better team and yeah. there was a few instances in their first 20 minutes when I think Carver Howe knocked, knocked the ball straight out yeah. for a corner Cruz knocked the ball straight it was in fact I thought Real Madrid looked the ones that were more nervous yeah. Um, but yeah I think for, for whatever reason the sight of Salah going off in tears just seemed to really deflate Liverpool and yeah. they just dropped a bit deep suddenly Real Madrid stepped it up a gear and yeah. and yeah I mean obviously Real Madrid still needed Carrius yeah. to, to, to go in front but yeah it was it was a very different game before and after Salah went off as you said I mean the first 20-25 minutes um, Liverpool were really in the ascendancy in that game and, and as fans watching you you're thinking wow you know what you know they're, they're not cowed by the occasion yeah um, they're up for it um, and we could be up for a really really good game um, and then as you say the, the Salah the, the, the Sergio Ramos um, uh, incident well first and foremost we, we know and, and excuse my French when I say this we know already that Sergio Ramos is a bastard right so yeah. he's got a history of this I think I've seen a hundred and I may not be exaggerating okay actually I am exaggerating <laughs> I think I may have seen a hundred different angles of that arm lock um, and different people making a, a, a case for who initiated the lock. Um, however, I did see him do, did see in another video, in another game, against another team, against another player, 
Sergio Ramos doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, plus the fact that we know that he is a roughhouse player, right? He knows how to to get under your yeah. supple play. Yeah, so yeah. we know this. Okay. Um, but there was only um, Liverpool had to get through more than one whammy. Him leaving was the first whammy. Um, but uh, as we've seen this season, um, Liverpool going a goal down has not really um, stripped them away. They've, they've fought back. This has not always been the case for the team. But when your goalkeeper starts making mistakes, yeah. what's your perspective on Karius? Yeah, it was... Do you know what? <clears throat> I felt... It was, it was just horrible to watch, to be honest, to see a goalkeeper have a meltdown like that on such a big stage and and I think the sad thing for Karius is that he's pr- improved a lot um, since he came back into the team in January I thought we'd seen improvement from him across the board obviously his first year at Liverpool was pretty disastrous in terms of everything went wrong for him in terms of breaking his hand in pre-season then I think Klopp wanted to find room for him in the team and probably he probably brought him into the team too early last season and he wasn't able to take his chance Ended up having to be dropped. Mignolet came back in. Um, I didn't. I didn't think it really helped either goalkeeper this season with Klopp chopping and changing between. Obviously, Mignolet was like the number one for the Premier League games. Yeah. Carriers for the Champions League. I don't think that helps because I think if you ask any goalkeeper, they they love they talk about rhythm and being in yeah. a routine. And I think it's difficult to do that if you're constantly chopping and changing. Yeah. Um, but since being number one and knowing he was playing every game, Carriers. I think you know, he, he's, you know he's, his shot stopping has always been pretty decent but I think that he was much better in terms of commanding his box yeah. being more dominant yeah. taking crosses um, so yeah do you know I didn't you, know, you kind of worry when you go into a funnel like that against such a high calibre opponent you kind of think in your head where 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 am I worried about tonight and Trent Alexander-Arnold would be one you yeah. know you're thinking God, a 19-year-old kid playing in a game of that magnitude. How does he handle that? As it was, I thought Trent was brilliant. Um, you know, Andy Robertson on the other side, similar. How would he handle that again? One of Liverpool's best players on the yeah. night. Even you know, Lovren. I think probably Lovren doesn't get talked about enough yeah. post-game. I thought that was Lovren's best game for Liverpool by a mile. Um, I thought he was just so commanding. Yeah. Um, and again, you'd have pre-match, you'd have probably said Lovren. You know, that's that would be one I'd worry. I'd worry about. Yeah. You know, he has a tendency. Especially if he gives the pre-match interview first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People always say, "Oh no, not another Lovren interview." The, uh, yeah, they want him banned from speaking before the big. So hopefully that puts that 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 thing Correct, to bed. Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. fact that he did all those interviews and he played really well in the Champions League final. But yeah, just going back to Carriers. So I, you know, I didn't. I really didn't worry about him going into the game. I didn't think. You know, I didn't think he would be one of the ones that w- that would potentially be a weak link. But I just I don't even know how you explain the first goal because you know, I think I think the third goal, the bail long range effort that goes through his hands, it shouldn't happen. But things like that occasionally do happen to goalies. You know, the lack of concentration. But the first one is just crazy, isn't it? I just you know he had no need to roll the ball out. There was no you know it's just I don't know it's a brain freeze or whatever that's. You know, it's been a few times this season where he's actually done something similar and kind of got away with it. Um, mm. It was just, it was just bizarre. I mean, I must admit, I, in the, I was in the stadium, obviously, and yeah. I didn't see it initially because I, obviously the lot. I think it was a ball over the top. Benzema was running onto it. Carriers came out, took the ball, and I think I kind of like turned away, made a few notes, and then you hear a roar go up from the other end. You're like, well, 
And initially I thought what must have happened is Carriers had gone to kick it and Benzema had raised his foot or something. And that obviously oh, it'll get disallowed. Be, and then you can see Carriers was appealing for something and you're thinking, well, surely you know, he's been impeded, he's been fouled or something. And then when you watch the replay, it's like, oh my God, you know, how, what, you know, what on earth is he doing there? And you're right, I think to, to Liverpool's massive credit, they didn't, they didn't just buckle and feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. They went straight down the other end and equalised. And, yeah. and then at that point, you think, you know, this final was well and truly back, yeah. back alive again. Yeah. Um, but then, again. you know, you can't, you can't legislate for a moment of brilliance that like Bale yeah. produced. I mean, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever seen a better goal than that live. Just, just you know, the, the technique. And when, you know, when afterwards, you know, he's giving interviews saying he'd, he'd never even, he had never even scored another head kick in any level of football. And then he goes and does it after just coming off, coming on the pitch in a Champions League final. It was... I hope he wasn't regaling the lads in the dressing room when he was sitting suddenly, suddenly at the side talking to Adam Lallana. <laughs> Apart from his Real Madrid t- teammates, because I, I I read that he was he wasn't with his own team. He was he was with the Liverpool guys. Yeah, catching there, up was, there was there was a bit of a, there sure was a bit that. of a strange dynamic there. I think even I think even if you saw the pictures from their parade in Madrid the following day, bearing in mind he was the hero, he was he was stood at the back of the bus. And so it's obviously, you know, it's not. It, it, it's uh, it kind of speaks volumes of his yeah, time in, in, yeah. in Spain. I think he obviously doesn't feel particularly loved and wanted there, and and obviously Zidane's now quit and walked away, and so yeah, it does seem like they'll be coming back to the Premier League this summer. Um, obviously, not many clubs who can afford his wages, I don't think. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was from Bale's point of view, you know, it was a, a, a dream, a dream final. But yeah, for Liverpool an absolute nightmare when you can see two goals that are just the most basic of individual errors from a goalkeeper and then the other one is just a, a world class. Okay, let me ask you this. Is there a way back for Loris Karius? Yeah, do you know what? I think there probably is in terms of... I, I don't see him being shown the door at Liverpool this summer. I think if you look at the way Klopp has operated previously... Like two years ago, we'd have been sat here after the Europa League final saying Alberto Moreno will never play for Liverpool again. Yeah. Two years on, Moreno's still at the club. Not first choice, but he's still at the club. Um, even if we went back to October, I remember I remember getting the train back from London after Liverpool had been thrashed by Tottenham and Lovren had been substituted after half an hour and people were saying then Lovren will never play for Liverpool again. You know, that's it. it you know, And you're like, well, he will because... Liverpool have only got four centre-backs and they, the club will need to get in Lovren's head and help him get over it and and I think it'll be the same with Carriers but I think it might be similar to Moreno in terms of he'll stay but I don't think he'll be number one anymore um, okay. but yeah I mean Carriers was he 24 you know he's still relatively young in goalkeeping terms and but yeah whatever Carriers goes on to achieve sadly I think it'll always you know he's going to have to do very well over the next 15 years to, to produce something which doesn't mean that he's remembered for the yeah. 2018 Champions League final which is which is horrible for him really because yeah. like, as we said before there, there's been a lot to admire about Carrius this season and he's, he's actually made very few individual mistakes yeah. and then so to make two of that magnitude in the biggest game of his life was was um, just heartbreaking well um, Aldo said that there's no way back Grobola I think it was yesterday 
said that he should be given another chance because Scrobola said that he made many mistakes. I know a lot about mistakes, Brucey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore, you know, he shouldn't be axed because on, on account of, of, of that one game. Um, it's a tough one. Um, Klopp doesn't seem like a guy who gives up on people. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Gives them a chance. So it's going to see. But if, if you take what you say, um, that would mean that Liverpool would need to be looking out for a goalkeeper because I think um, Simon Mignolet is probably done. <clears throat> yeah. He's got a good attitude. I, 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 I you know, he's, he's been saying all the right things and he's put up all this front. Um, I'm sure he's, he's a great guy. He is a great guy. Yeah, yeah. You know he's, he's one of the he's one of the best actually. Yeah, I got on really well with Mignolet. Um Just a very, very genuine guy. Like even even things like obviously Liverpool do a lot of work in the community and they need volunteers to go and do projects and go into schools and and Mignolet is always the first to put his hand up and volunteer. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Mignolet and I think his attitude this season was absolutely yeah. spot on because. Um, you know, I asked him before the final in the Echo. I said, "Would you, you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to play, but would you mind doing for me like your guide to Liverpool's Champions League right, finalists?" Yeah, that, yeah. And and um, you know, awesome. I think and I think some players, if you know, would have like turned their nose up and gone, you know, well, why yeah. would I do that kind of thing? And he was like, "Yeah, no problem, I'll do that." Yeah. And um, you know, and said a lot of nice things about Carrius in particular, which you know must be tough for him to take playing second fiddle to him this season, but. Yeah, so he's got a, he's got a great attitude, Mignolet. But I think by the same token, he wants to play, sure. and in, he's thirty now. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Mignolet was still at Liverpool next season. I yeah. think I think he'll he'll want to move on. He'll want to play, and I think there'll be a lot of takers for him. I think it'd be interesting to see whether he stays in the Premier League or whether whether he goes overseas. Um, and then it, it, you just wonder what happened with Danny Ward because I think Danny Ward again is. You know he's far too good a keeper to be like a no, number three at exactly. Liverpool, and um, and again, I'm a this, huge fan of Danny Ward. Yeah, I, I really like Danny Ward, and you know with Liverpool going out the League Cup so early, it meant that he only had one game exactly. all season. Yeah. Which, when you think the year before, he was massive in Huddersfield, getting promoted to the Premier League when he was on loan there. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens whether 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 they loan Ward out. Yeah. I think I think Mignolet will probably be sold rather than loaned, and then. Um, Potentially, you could find yourselves where, if Liverpool, as we expect, do spend big on a new goalkeeper, then maybe Carrius is the is the number two going into next season. That would be that would be how I would kind of foresee it at the moment. Well, um, there's also, I mean, talking about Mignolet, there's also the the, the Belgian uh, team yeah. <coughs> spot as well. Obviously, he's, he's number two. Two to Courtois, to yeah. Courtois, yeah. Courtois may be on the move. Yeah. Or at least that's what the rumor mill is saying. So if there's any chance, or if there's any opportunity for him to pop, pop, possibly, you know, jump over that, yeah. jump over Courtois probably now. But the fact that he's number two at Liverpool is not helping his score, so he needs to go to a team where he plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're in the window. So I don't know whether we're going to be seeing a punt for a goalkeeper. Plenty of names have been linked. Allison, uh, agent Firmino. <laughs> Has been has been doing a wonderful job yeah. um, uh, on behalf of Edwards' team, um, signing up for uh, Fabinho and uh, chit chatting with uh, Allison uh, during national team duty. Uh, Oblak, another name that's been banded about. Yeah. Uh, Donna Ruma uh, from Milan has also been banded about. He's pretty young though; he's 19 years old. Yeah. So I'm not too sure about 19-year-old being able to cope with the pressure of playing in England. Not sure. Um, 
okay, let me ask you this, James. What is that one extra step, that missing ingredients, ingredient that we need to have that will help us take that final step to get our hands on a trophy, any trophy? Yeah, well, I do think a new goalkeeper is a massive part of that. I think, okay. I think when you look around the Premier League and you think how many points David De Gea wins Man United and the you know, number of Man United games you watch and you think how on earth have they managed to win that when you know they're not particularly pleasing on the eye don't dominate games but when you've got a fantastic goalkeeper it probably saves saves them 10-15 points minimum a season um, and I think you know, if you look around the Premier League the last few years well, even before that really Liverpool haven't haven't had you know someone who's absolutely at the top of the top of his profession. You know you think of Larice at, at, at Tottenham and you know De Gea, Courtois, um, obviously Czech back in the day, not yeah. not in the last few years. But um, so I think you want you want someone you want someone of that caliber yeah. at, at that level yeah. who's gonna who's gonna really really. Be able to to stand tall on the the big occasions and deliver for you. And I think I think Allison would be my pick. I think if um, you know it, over Oblak, I think well, I think Allison's more likely to come. I think Oblak. I think Oblak again. Oblak would probably in terms of. But the whole Oblak thing is um, whether he, I, I don't know which one yeah. is genuine. Which it's I don't think with to. with Oblak. I, I I just wonder whether he would leave. Madrid, yeah. At uh, Madrid for, for Liverpool, I think I think you've got a better chance of tempting Allison away. Mm-hmm. But the complication with Allison is that Liverpool and they, they, Liverpool made this pretty clear probably about six months ago that they felt that trying to sign Allison would be problematic because Roma Roma feel as if they sold Salah so cheaply to Liverpool that if they do yep. if they do business with Liverpool again, they will demand a very very high fee. As, as if almost to like a, I've heard it described as like a Salah tax. It's like because you because you got Salah so cheap, you, you have to pay a Salah tax for Allison. Look, we did pay five million pounds for him. Yeah, yeah. You it's, know, yeah. There was there was a zero behind that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. if you're trying to take credit, move the goalposts and say that okay, yeah. you made this player now that he he didn't score this many goals when he was with you. I know, I know. Yeah. You know it's what I'm a, so yeah, I think it's just a, it's. A, it's a bit of a face-saving operation, isn't it? I think. I think sure, they want to yeah. be seen. They want to be seen that if they do do business with Liverpool again, that they that they get, you know, the absolute top money. And I think that would be interesting to see whether Liverpool are prepared to break the bank. Would would they go and spend seventy or eighty million pounds on a goalie? I, I'd say you, they should do because yeah. I think we've seen the value of having you know an absolutely elite level goalie and what that can do for you as a team and what you said about taking that final step because I think you only have to look at someone like Van Dyke and they broke the bank for yeah and it's like I think even even now you know 75 million for Van Dyke was a huge amount like huge amount of money for a player that relatively inexperienced at the absolute highest level you know he obviously Celtic come to Southampton you know, he, he was still. I think that was still a bit of a gamble. But then you look at how much Van Dijk not only has improved Liverpool, but improved other players around him. And Lovren has is, is benefited massively from having Van Dijk alongside him. So you think suddenly that 75 million now actually looks pretty much, you know, like he, he looks absolutely worth every penny. He improves everyone around yeah. him. And then suddenly, when you look at then, then you do the, you do the finances, and you think, well, I don't think Liverpool would have reached the Champions League final without Van Dijk. 
and the Champions League run generated 80, 90 million pounds. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it almost you know, it's a wise investment. So if they if you're convinced that Allison is the one, yeah, um, then I think you have to just pay the money to, to get the player because I think too too often we, we've kind of like seen Liverpool, you know. It feels different the last couple of years because Liverpool have been their recruitment has been spot on. I think that's been one yeah. of the reasons why the club's been able to make make such big steps forward. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, there were too many times when people at the club didn't agree on certain signings, yeah. and you know we had that situation under Brendan Rodgers where it was like he's a committee signing, he's a yeah. he's a manager signing, and that's not very helpful to be honest. And also, what happened then was it was like, well, he wants him. Um, but he doesn't want him so I'll tell you what because we can't agree on him or him you'll, we'll go for him instead so you end up with someone that no one no one wants really and it's a work out and then so you know that, and that's how you ended up with players like you know Lazar Markovic and, and Sacco and, oh. and people like that that the and yeah they might be cheaper but if you then have to replace them in a year 18 months two years like Liverpool should really be thinking if Alisson if their if their scouting department are convinced that Allison's the one, you know, he could be Liverpool's goalkeeper, the solution for the next ten years easily. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the the outlay for VVD I think was was absolutely spot on. Apart from the fact that he's is an excellent keeper, uh, excellent uh, centre back, and he makes everyone around him yeah. better as well. Yeah. I mean, bloody hell, he makes Lovren look world class. So he's he's got to be he's yeah. got to be good, right? And he and all, the, the 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 four guys at the back. Okay, from Trent to Lovren to Robbo and DVD, you know, being so good. I mean, what what was really lacking, James? And I agree, totally agree with you. Is having a, a goal a goalie that it's like Gandalf, you know, thou shall not pass. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you can get through all the four of them. You still have to get through me. Yeah. And um, if we have that brick wall, then maybe it's sorted. But on the on the other hand, it also speaks um, very much, and probably throws it in the face of the FSC artists who say. You know, they don't want to spend on, on Liverpool. Yeah. Um, well, it's, 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 if I'm not wrong, it's still a world record for a, for a defender. Yeah, 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 world exactly. record defender, yeah. So we can yeah. go toe-to-toe. Yeah. We can. We are Liverpool. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think financially the club's been transformed exactly. in, the, in the last five or six years, certainly, with you think about the mess that FSG inherited. And, yeah, they've made some mistakes along the way. I don't think, any, don't think anyone would argue otherwise, but... Yeah, I've always found it a bit bizarre this idea that they're only in it to milk off the profits, and it's, it's not true. I think, I think what we're from the very start when when they bought the club, they said they would run it as a business. Okay. So you know they were not going to be an Abramovich or a Sheikh Mansur. They weren't going to go. You know, there's a billion, do whatever you want with it. They they just said, look, well, we're businessmen. We'll come in. We'll improve the way the clubs run. Yeah. Um, we'll build up the infrastructure. You know, they've they found the solution to the the stadium problem with the main stand yeah. and building a fifty million pound new training ground. Yeah. Um, uh, talking about any road expansion as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so they, all these things that isn't <clears throat> that's not the actions of a of a group of individuals who are just in it to make a quick buck. Because yeah. if they wanted to make a quick buck, they could have they could have done that and moved on long before now. Because. Yeah. I think what was it a 300 million pound takeover they could be talking to Stavely right now or something yeah something like yeah I mean but I think I think the last valuation I saw was like Liverpool over a billion in terms of valuation now right. so but so and I think they have shown I think I think where they we talked about transfers before and maybe when there was a bit of distrust between the manager and the recruitment staff and that kind of thing and I think they they got their fingers burnt 
a few times early on in their reign with you think about deals like the Andy Carroll one and Stuart Downing and Charlie Adam and people like that where I think because there was that big spending splurge wasn't there when I think it was obviously around when Doglish came in and Camoli was still yeah. in, as director of football and so I think after that it almost kind of went well hang on a minute that didn't work spending big money so now we'll do it a different way we'll buy younger players we'll invest in the future and but I think now because Klopp they trust him so much and so now when you know Klopp has a hundred percent say he has a much bigger control than Rogers ever did so I think they and because the big thing for that for them now is they look at the recruitment the last few years and they look at you know Sadio Mane unbelievable success Mohamed Salah unbelievable success Van Dijk Robertson you always go through the team and there's just so many successes so that helps Klopp because then when he goes to them and goes I really do need 80 or 90 million to go and sign such and such that they because because he's they there's so many successes in terms of the recruitment the last few years it makes them more willing to go actually yeah no problem here's the money because because they can see the value in it like we said said before about Van Dijk huge amount of money to spend on it no no, no one's ever spent that amount of money on a defender before but within five months I think you know I was I did an interview with Tom Werner was it last week before the final and you know and and you could sense you know I asked him about Van Dijk and and I, you know, I think they, they now see do you know what if you've got the right people in place who can pinpoint the right man for, to do the right job then they are willing to spend and Liverpool are in a very healthy state financially um, it'll be interesting to see you know just how big they do go this summer I think one of the qualities I think probably that FSG would value most about Klopp it's not so it's not just about the fact that they can tell you you have all of the resources at your disposal but more the fact that you have made the best use yeah. of the resources that you already have yeah. and you've made that a success and therefore we could trust you with more yeah you know so I think that's something that's some um, underrated quality and that doesn't get talked about so much in, yeah in you know mani- uh, ma- uh, managing the top Premier League teams or even in, in, in all the leagues everything is about money everything is about transfer funds but what do you do with what you have yeah um, look at Rafa for example with all the stuff that he's gone through yeah yeah unbelievable so uh, would anyone else would have been able to achieve what Klopp has done with the team that they have it's a yeah I just think Klopp is the absolute perfect fit for Liverpool absolute, in yeah. every every possible way in terms of the, the, the style of football he plays I think just the way he wants to do things I think yeah he's willing to spend big on the right player but I think he also he wants to try and find value in the transfer market he's not just a manager that's just spend 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 I think you know he wants to develop players you know what what other elite level manager would have would have given Trent Alexander-Arnold the sheer number of chances he's had this season you know even even in the build up to the final I heard people saying oh he'll I had the radio on I think it was Talk Sport were talking about how they were convinced that Nathaniel Klein would start the final because they said oh you know you couldn't possibly start a 19 year old kid in a Champions League final and you're thinking well he will because that's Jurgen Klopp you know it's you know he, he's got such a belief in in young players and giving them chances And so I think that fits well with Liverpool and then you've got the passion the charisma 
the emotion that he shows on the touchline. Yeah. You know, the way that he he sticks up for Liverpool in, in a way that he's part of us. Yeah, yeah. He's an extension of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that, that's why he's so universally loved and, and respected. You know, I think back to probably my my darkest days covering Liverpool for the Echo were under Roy Hodgson and Oof. the uh, and you think back to. You know, Thanks, when, James. I was trying yeah, very much to yeah, 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 we're, we're trying to be trying to be from the past. Yeah. Oh my god! But like, I think back to I remember. I remember when we we lost to lost to Manchester United at Old Trafford, and and Alex Ferguson had just been in and accused Torres of diving. Yeah. And um, and then Hodgson came in, and one of the reporters said, "Oh, Ferguson's just been in, said that um, Torres is a diver and was trying to get. I think it was John O'Shea sent off, and uh, and Hod- rather than defend Torres." Uh, Hodgson just said, or uh, well, maybe Sir Alex had a better view of it than I did. You know, I uh, I wouldn't like to be drawn on that. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, oh you're the Liverpool manager. Yeah. You know, you can't. You can't you, you've got to fight Liverpool's corner. Yeah. Like, and it, he never seemed to really get that. Whilst Klopp from the start, you know, has, has always got that. That you, you know, you you are as you said, you're the extension of the fans. You're the figurehead. You're the standard. You're the standard bearer. You have to. You have to. Not only do you have to deliver attacking football that's pleasing on the eye but you also have to you have to really fight fight Liverpool's okay, corner okay 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 James um, that's the second thou shalt thou, sh- thou shalt not thou shalt not talk about Roy, <laughs> Roy um, on this show uh, we don't want to talk about it okay uh, that's part one of the James Spears Singapore interview we're going to take a short musical listening break so don't go anywhere we will be right back Talk a little bit about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the, this obviously transfer window. Um, but before that, I want to talk about James Spears, the man, <laughs> the machine, <laughs> the legend. <laughs> James, how do you feel being called the bearer of bad news? Bad news Pierce. James Pierced. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's a li- slightly unfair. I don't, I like, really slightly? I'd like, I'd like to think I don't just bring bad news. No, I think, um, Not all the time. Yeah, try, try and... I, I, like, uh, no, I, I always think it's quite funny because, yeah, people do... do uh, uh, I think someone sent me the other day on Twitter, it was like a playing card. 
that were, and they superimposed my face on, and it was like you, you put <laughs> oh, you no. put this card down when was it by uh, Jimmy? The uh, it might have been. It might, it have, might been have been the. Been. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was like the the bearer of bad news yeah. card, I think it was. So no, I think you know, I think it, I think it comes from the fact that obviously there's so many rumours do the rounds, and I think um, and obviously at the Echo, you, you try and rather than you know what what I hate is is reproducing rumours. You don't want to. I think pe- people want to know whether a rumour's true or not. Yeah. They don't want to just reread a rumour that's been generated yeah. from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so you know that's 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 kind of part of the job to kind of chase up rumours yeah. and, and speak to people and say look is this you know, speak to agents yeah. speak to players um, and, and you know and just and, and speak to people at the club and, and say you know is there any truth in this you know it, and try and get to the bottom of things so I think we, we maybe sometimes do stories at the Echo which are almost non-stories in terms of saying just to let you know that rumour that you know whatever newspaper is peddling or whatever website is peddling that rumor is not true yeah did we understand this this and this so sometimes what i found in this job is people sometimes don't want to know whether something is true or not i think they want to yeah. if it's if it's a if it's a potential signing they like the sound of they want that kind of ignorant bliss of thinking it right. might happen <laughs> as opposed to being told it won't happen um and then sorting so, out a million tweets uh, and direct DMs and uh, yeah, messages yeah. in your but I always, inbox. <laughs> so I, I always have to try and go a bit careful because I always try and say, well, as far as I'm aware, and cause I always, I, I quite often get reminded of the Balotelli one a few years back when um, that that, that kind of like scared me a little bit. The fact that I think I was on tour with Liverpool in, I think it was in America at the time, and Brendan Rodgers, it wasn't even an interview actually, it was just having a chat afterwards and we knew that Balotelli was available Liverpool needed a striker and said to Rogers, you know, is there any chance you would go go for Balotelli and he went oh no chance absolutely no chance would we ever sign Balotelli he said um, he said you know I, I haven't spent you know three years building up the dressing room here to yeah. to bring in a divisive character like that and then so then obviously you do you tweet no chance Liverpool sign. I think I think I actually tweeted there's more chance of Colin Pascoe yeah. making a comeback than uh the Liverpool signing Balotelli and then two weeks later Balotelli is at Melwood he's a Liverpool player so yeah. you always even even with the most ridiculous rumours the Balotelli one's always in the back of my head thinking you can never say 100% because f- football has a habit of coming back and biting you on the backside but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah be, oh, okay. there's, there's, let, me, let me ask you this then. Yeah. so um, obviously okay, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm known um, on on our four Twitter account as being an ITK buster. I I, I live to bust the, the balls of ITKs, <laughs> right? So I love doing that. Okay, but um, and there's a lot of these stealth style ITKs right now that are very uh, attention seeking. Oh yeah, fishing yeah. for likes, yeah. and fishing for uh, you know followers, and, and, and yeah. followers, and yeah. all these kinds of crap. Okay, now how do you then um, you know being close to the club? From a from a media perspective, uh, and not just you, but uh, uh, Melissa Reddy and, and the likes. How do you straddle the gap um, between being close to the club, news being released by the club, news that's maybe you don't have directly from the club, and then rumors and people messaging you said, James will we sign Fakir? James will we sign Obla? Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you manage this? Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to you, you basically have to try and get your information from a whole variety of different sources. So, I think there's there's always sometimes a bit of a misconception that there isn't 
there isn't like one person at the club that you can just ring up and say, "Can I have the latest on Fakir?" Or what's it? It's tell not like a yeah, yeah. Tell me, yeah. Just give you know how did the negotiations go today? You know, it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, occasionally there might be something that the club want to put the record straight on. I thought so, they said pigeons. You know, with so, <laughs> no pigeons. No, no pigeons. No. The um, sorry, I got the uh, <laughs> that was uh, incorrect rumor. That one. Oh, the, okay. um, <laughs> the, uh, so no, it's. It's it, it, you get your information from a whole variety of different places, and it's just a case of who do you trust, and and then quite often, you know, if you if you get a story that's that's not from anyone at the club, usually then I would speak to someone at the club about it and just say, look, this is the way I understand it. Are you able to tell me whether this is true or not? Is this how you understand it? And just. And that doesn't necessarily decide whether you print it or not, because yeah. you must, you might be so sure that that information you've got from elsewhere is is that nailed on that you don't you don't need anyone at the club to tell you it's true or not. Yeah. But it's always helpful to, to get the club's perspective or get yeah. someone at the club's perspective on something yeah. before you write it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a minefield really because yeah, you're kind of like. And then, you know, when people do tell you things, you're then asking yourself, well, why are they telling me that? Because, you know, what's their... You know, and obviously, with, with agents, I find you have to be very yeah. wary of what agents tell you because, obviously, by, by the nature, the agents are exactly. only interested in promoting yeah. their they, own client. And, yeah, yeah, money. So I think, yeah. I think a, lot of, a lot of the crazy transfer rumours you read, maybe in a tabloid paper, I think a lot of those stem from agents because, you know, for argument's sake... I don't know, say Joe Hart, obviously it'll be a goalkeeper who needs a new club this summer now. People will be desperate to have Joe Hart's name in the papers. Yeah. And, and like, they want him linked with big clubs. And just, so that, you know, that's all part of the game, really, I suppose, in terms of, but, yeah, I, try, I don't, I don't have a massive amount to do with agents, just because I do think you have to be quite wary yeah. why, why they want, yeah. why they want your help with something, because... Um, and quite often, yeah, an agent. I've had situations where an agent will tell me that a deal is very close to being done. You know, just to let you know, uh, this deal is just about to get done. And then when you speak to the club, the club go a hundred percent absolute rubbish. Yeah. And then I'd I'd say nine I'd say nine times out of ten, probably no, probably about 19, 19 times out of twenty, the club would be the one telling the truth rather than the agent. Of so. Course. Yeah, but um, yeah, I do look. I do look forward to when the transfer window shuts because uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I used to say that, uh, but the rumours never yeah. stop. So. No, they don't. No, they yeah. don't ever stop. But um, it's amazing because the, the, obviously on our website, the transfer rumour rumours are always like the most. It's funny because people people complain about oh, that, you know why are those stupid rumours, but it's always the most read thing. People, you know, it's it, it's the thing that generates. So yeah. so much interest and yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how just how busy the summer is. Obviously, the transfer window changing with it shutting earlier this year. Yeah. You know that has an impact because yeah. there was interest. Obviously, Liverpool having Fabinho uh, wrapped up. Did you know that? Straight, uh, you know straight. About no, not until not until very late on. No, I must admit so, that was. So we were really just like us. I mean, the everyone was bored. Yeah, yeah. Where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, and I think you know that kind of like probably puts to bed. The myth that, that Liverpool do provide some kind of running commentary for reporters on on transfers because no one had a no had you a, don't have a red phone in had, your office no had a, no one had a sniff about that um, and it's quite rare isn't it you know in this day and age because because there's so many people involved in a transfer now right. you know 
the, the fact that it didn't leak out at the Monaco end, it didn't leak out at the Liverpool end, it didn't leak out from the agent or the player, or usually, you know, usually in a situation like that, maybe he would have close contacts with media in Brazil, so there would have been reports in Brazil. Fabinho is about to sign for for Liverpool, and so you know, the fact that yeah. the fact that it didn't come out at all is a real rarity, real rarity in football these days. So it was. Um, yeah, if it, I was probably lucky the fact it, I was off because uh, I, I was from when the Champions League final finished that was me done for three weeks Yeah. so um, I'd have probably got a slap on the wrist from my boss if uh, if I'd been working and and didn't have a clue that that was about to happen <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> at least I can I can claim I was on holiday and so here we are a... dragging him back to the, <laughs> to the drudgery of course when we started this I said the man the machine the legend he's here on holiday guys once again uh, for how long? Um, just a week so yeah go back on Sunday night okay so uh, so he's here with his lovely wife and yeah. uh, 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 son and, and daughter I said the man the machine the legend obviously the wife didn't hear it otherwise she'd be rolling her eyes I said <laughs> mate she, doesn't do the dishes or, or sweeps the floor at home she's got a few other names for me she's got, yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly okay your last tweet after you landed here you said just landed in Singapore have I missed anything hashtag Old school signing. What yeah. do you mean, old school signing? As we were talking about then, in terms of Fabino, the fact that it was, because I remember as a kid, signings. The first you'd learn of it was when oh, Liverpool would call a press conference or okay. something, and they'd be like, "Oh, they must have signed the player. Who's okay. it going to be?" And, I see. I see. Um, so I, was, thought, I thought I thought you meant like something like, "Oh, is that, uh, in terms of the type of player that he was?" Ah, right. Like no, the, no. You know, just in terms of the way that it right, was okay. effectively, you know, a very rare thing in football these days where. No one really had any idea it was it was done until it was it was happening until it was actually done. Um, so yeah, that was I, I must admit. Like, yeah, turned turned on my phone when I got to uh, Singapore. <laughs> in fact, the, the guy on passport control recognised me. And um, what he uh, when I, he was a big Liverpool fan on passport control oh, in Singapore, wow. and he. Uh, so he, so he was like, uh, Fabinho, we've signed Fabinho. I said, yeah, I've just, <laughs> he, uh, I said, yeah, I've just, I've just seen on my phone. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's got, gone from being. Yeah, like, here's a two-year free entry in Singapore. <laughs> Come and go as you please. <laughs> whatever you want, do whatever you want. You can chew gum if you want. That's not a problem. Spirit anyway. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, this show is about all about my pet peeves. Yeah, the pet peeve. Other than the, the uh, you know, putting down ITKs, my other pet peeve. And I'm currently fighting, doing is having, having, is people saying that Fabinho coming means Hendo is out. Oh, but yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. Uh, or uh, he will, he will not start. Uh, oh, Hendo is going to be on the bench only, uh, and there will be a new captain, and that captain is going to be Virgil Van Dijk. What's your perspective? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, it's far too early to try and predict what the start of eleven will be come the middle of August. I think, I just think there's a bit of a weird, there's like a section of Liverpool's fan base who, who do try like Jordan Henderson bashing, seems no, to be I a bit of a pastime. Klopp has unequivocally given his support yeah. of Hendo. Um, Hendo's story is amazing. How he fought his way back. Yeah. About his dad. But yet all these this stuff just. Yeah, I think I just find it a bit bizarre. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I think maybe I, think, I was thinking because he again we did an interview with Henderson and build up to the final and he came across really well. He, you know, again talk about the, the type of people at that at, at that club in that squad at the moment. And they're not aside from the talent, Klopp has got a huge amount of really good characters and good people, and you know, no big egos, no you know, no no hint of arrogance and. 
I think Henderson epitomises that and he's yeah. such a team man and I thought he had a fantastic season just on a personal level yeah. stayed fit in the second half of the season played a big part in Liverpool getting to the Champions League final but I think sometimes I get the feeling because he's been at Liverpool so long and Liverpool have only won uh, one League Cup that I think some people maybe see him as like oh, he, you know, he's he's been the one constant yeah. he's been here he's been here since 2011 we've only won one League Cup so it's his fault so I think I think maybe there's a little bit of that yeah. thrown into it um, but no I don't I don't see I don't see Klopp taking the armband off him and, and giving it to Van Dijk I mean Van Dijk is a leader there's no doubt about that but I don't think what we've seen already is Van Dijk doesn't need the armband to be a leader you know? we need more than 11 yeah. everyone is a captain everyone yeah. needs to be good yeah so and you know I think it was interesting I read Klopp's comments on Fabinho and you know he said that yeah he can play the number 6 the holding midfield role which is obviously <clears throat> where Henderson has spent most of his time this season but he said he can also play as a number 8 yeah um, so and, and also with Chan leaving Liverpool needed another player you know Liverpool had Henderson and Chan effectively this season playing the holding role what you know the, sometimes they both played but you know so, other times they needed at least you, you've got to have two holding midfielders haven't you <clears throat> and obviously it'll be Fabinho and, and Henderson for next season how, yeah, how can play further forward? Yeah, yeah I mean that, that would be another Smart possibility. Depth. Yeah, depth. yeah. They found us out at the end. I mean, yeah. Real Madrid were able to bring Gareth Bale. Yeah, off the bench, we had Ox on crutches, and we had really no one. I yeah, mean, I mean that was other than no disrespect to the guys who were on the bench. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. And because uh, also you know we're bringing on what Adam Lallana, who you know, it, Did they? You no, know, you know you could tell how. You know how little football he's played all season. Couldn't make any kind of impression in the final, and then you bring. You no, know, I think probably what was most damning was what was it? Eight minutes to go. I think when it was. I think what was it? Still two one at that stage. We're bringing on Emre Chan. When you I mean you and you, you know he didn't trust Solanke to bring him on. Obviously Ings didn't even make the bench, and so I think for me, I think Liverpool desperately need to go and sign another striker this summer as well. I think. I think it's. Okay. I think I think it's an awkward situation that for Klopp because people will say, "Well, just go and buy Griezmann or go and buy, you know just you know, go go and spend massive money on a top striker." But the problem with that is, Firmino is absolutely brilliant and he's he's an absolute machine in terms of he plays every single game. Yeah. So you need you need someone who's going to be happy with being like a backup option, yeah. which isn't easy because obviously top players want to play, but. I do think that there's far too much of a gap between Firmino yeah. and Solanke and Ings in terms of quality. Yeah. And I think that will have to be addressed. I think, obviously, waiting to see what happens with Rian Brewster. Yeah. Um, really yeah. exciting young player who, you know, people will be aware of. But, you know, very odd the fact that there's been people close to him seem to be seriously thinking about moving him on talking about Bundesliga clubs and Borussia Mönchengladbach and I think they've backed off a bit now since Liverpool you know basically said you know you're, you're tapping him up you know there have been some meetings between Brewster's people and, and Mönchengladbach and, but you know Klopp wants to promote Brewster and give him chances in yeah. pre-season yeah. Um, but I still think Liverpool do need another striker I just think yeah. it, you know, touch wood Firmino doesn't really get injuries but I don't think you could go into another season knowing that if Firmino broke his leg in August you've got Ings and Solanke as your your backup options I think obviously the two lads coming back from loan deals I think Sturridge Sturridge will get sold got no future at the club Um, 
The problem with Sturridge is I think finding a club for him would be difficult because yeah. Liverpool are probably going to have to pay him off because he's yeah. on big money. I think what is it, about 140 grand a week or something. Yeah. Um, and he's only got one more year left on his deal, so you're not going to get much of a, you know, with his injury record, you're not yeah. going to get much of a fee. Yeah. I think the the one the one that will interest me is what he does with Origi because yeah, you know, his agent has been talking yeah as yeah. Well. He said that he's not uh, been too happy that uh, Origi went to Wolfsburg. Uh, he he started okay, then he, yeah. he went through he went through a pretty rough patch. Yeah. Then ended okay, not so bad. Yeah, and you know they they, 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 only, they, they just avoided relegation, didn't they? They mm. I think he he played in the relegation playoff that kept them up. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know what? I think I think Origi's just a really frustrating player for a coach because I think if you think back to two years ago that run to the Europa League final and Origi was unbelievable in some of those games like against Dortmund yeah. and it was obviously he got injured didn't he in the Merseyside derby when um, I think it was Funes Mori didn't he uh, hurt him yeah smashed his ankle didn't he I think it was and, um, and he was never really the same for Liverpool after that um, do you guys think that we should have loaned him? I should have kept him. I think the loaning is good for to, to, to make him sharp, to, to give him the magic. It, it didn't seem that that was the final um, learning point for him because he had this very hot and cold loan experience. Anyway. Yeah. But if you were to keep him in Liverpool, how many games can he play? To be honest, Cop needs, needs the younger ones to keep roaming. So the only way is to loan them out. Yeah. You get first team football. You you can't get first team football on a regular basis. You can't. Continue to improve. Yeah. That's that's the thing. We need them to be in a better better state than we know them out at the end of the season. Understood. So that they are ready to step up. Yeah. yeah. And the loan the loan system does work. Yes. You know, it didn't it didn't it didn't work particularly well for, for Origi this season, but someone like Harry Wilson who, who went yeah. out on loan and My God. You know, and I think I'm a that, huge fan of Harry Wilson. Yeah, and that shows how beneficial a loan period can be because yeah. I watch a lot of the Liverpool under twenty threes, and, and that that league isn't very competitive, and yeah. th- those games don't prepare you to make the step up to the first team. So I think for Wilson to go out on loan, and I think he proved a massive point as well because yeah. I always got the impression with Wilson that there was a feeling that he was too lightweight and couldn't handle men's football, and that that was why Klopp never really gave him a chance. And okay. so I think I think with him coming back now and. That's why pre-season is going to be really interesting, and the, yeah. the tour games. I'll be obviously going on the tour to America with Liverpool, and yeah. because with the World Cup, the World Cup will have a big impact on pre-season because yeah. I think the players get three weeks off from when their country gets knocked out. So pretty much anyone who gets the knockout stages of the World Cup won't be involved on the tour, which means it'll be a very young Liverpool team. So players like Wilson, Ryan Kent, Shea Ojo, yeah. um, people like that that have been out on loan. You know, probably Origi as well. That's going to be a massive chance for them those early weeks yep. of pre-season to kind of stake a claim for next for, ne- for next year. Well, let's talk about some of these guys, okay? Uh, okay, uh, of course, uh, Bogdan has got his contract uh, terminated. Bogdan, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's where he'll be gone. Um, Taiwo, Taiwo, uh, he was at Moscow in Belgium. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got a US citizenship. Right. He was he's, he was granted a US visa. Sorry, US visa. So theoretically, he could play for LFC now. I don't know right. how that works, but I think something like that. Right. Um, Lazar is good as gone. John Flanagan, good as gone. Daniel Sturridge, I think he's, he doesn't really have a future. Divock, we just talked about. Him. Yeah. Um, what's happening with Alan Rodriguez? Still work permit issues? Yeah, still work permit issues, yeah. So it's, um, 
I think there's a there's a plan in place again to, to loan him out for another year. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing him at Liverpool next season. Um, yeah, I, I must admit I'm no expert in the legal intricacies of work permits, but yeah, it does. It <laughs> no does, one is, I think. <laughs> no, no, but it does seem odd. I think you just ask Roman Abramovich. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's having his own hurdles at the moment. The, um, uh, uh, by the way, uh, Chelsea have shelved their stadium expansion plans, and uh, thus begun begins the slow march to mediocrity. <laughs> Say a silent prayer for Chelsea, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Alan Rodriguez is. Um, Obviously, he went to Cyprus, didn't he, this season? And I think because they, they felt that playing in the Europa League, it's all done on the point system. And, and you know, so if playing Europa League football would, would help him. And then I think the plan is to move him on to another European league next season. Yeah. Um, with, with then, the hope is that then he would be able to get a work permit the following year. But, um, yeah, him and Tayu are kind of similar, similar situations in terms of young players that Liverpool really like and are... Are developing, but yeah. it's more a long-term thing because in the short term they just can't get yeah. work permits. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, about that, one more thing about that Abramovich thing and the Chelsea thing. Um, actually, shortly after that was treated, um, uh, did you know that Man City actually ran a thirty percent discount on season tickets? Did they? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were trying to get all the Chelsea fans to buy become <laughs> Manchester City fans. <laughs> Hashtag We Are Plastics too. <laughs> See, I told you we were irreverent. <laughs> okay, but fuck to anyone sorry uh, okay there's Shea Oyo Shea Oyo yeah, yeah he, um, he got a bit of a mixed season didn't he with, uh, with Fulham um, obviously Fulham yeah Fulham got uh, won the playoff final didn't they so he'll be you know the promotion back to the Premier League but I think Ojo's another one that probably pre-season's going to be make or break for him but I think if you look at obviously Ojo Ryan Kent and Harry Wilson all you know all pretty much play the same position you know you know, di- different qualities, but effectively, I think those three are this probably competing for one. I think they're probably competing for Kent one place. Well. Kent, yeah, yeah, Kent, Ojo, and Wilson. Oh yeah, yeah. Kent, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'd I'd say they're probably in a three-way shootout for one place in Klopp's plans for next season. Because I think I think Liverpool do need, you know, I think do need another wide man. I think. Yeah. There were times in the closing weeks of the season where I think if Wilson had been around, yeah. I mean, he probably would have got a debut. Um, you know, Ryan Kent's a strange one because you know, he had a he had a really mixed season where you know he went to Freiburg in Germany for the first half of the yeah. season, didn't really play much, came back mm-hmm. and then joined Bristol City. And at the time, Bristol City had had that great run in the League Cup and were going for promotion. And as it was, Bristol City completely fell away. Kent didn't even get in their team. Um, so I think yeah it's obviously with, with young players you get peaks and troughs and ups yeah. and downs and but yeah definitely pre-season is going to be going to be key for them because uh, there's it, loads of I mean uh, Marco Gruich yeah I like Gruich I, I, I think Gruich has still got a future at the club I think Klopp Klopp was absolutely adamant when he loaned him out to Cardiff that it, it wasn't you know, <clears> sometimes <throat> you get loans where you know that player's not you know it's the beginning of the end he's not going to come back or you know, he's not going to get a chance again he's being banished but I think with Gruwich it was yeah. genuinely he wanted him to develop and improve and yeah. I like Gruwich. I must admit he's another player that when you know, what I like about him is he's a big he's a big physical presence and you know I think with young players sometimes you worry about whether they can handle yeah. the physicality especially if you play centre yeah. midfield but with him I don't worry about him with that yeah. and yeah. I think you know, getting promoted with Cardiff would have, would have helped him as well yeah 
Uh, of course, there are other guys that we haven't talked about. We're not going to get too much in detail. There's Kiri Vela, there's Connor Randall, um, Ovi. Ovi uh, Jari, yeah. Uh, uh, Corey Whelan at Yeovil. Um, also, um, uh, Maddie Virtue. Uh, yeah. Not, not County, is it? Uh, Maddie. Yeah, did he go to Yeovil? Was he, was he, was he, was he I thought Yeovil was. Um, I can't remember. Okay, yeah. I actually want to talk about uh, Woodburn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't get loaned out. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't play either. But of course, we were out of the cup competition, so. Yeah, not a great. Yeah, it was. I think a really frustrating season for him. I think he, he wanted to go out on loan in January. Um, because they, they talked about sending him to Sunderland. Obviously, he knew uh, Chris Coleman from the Wales setup, and yeah. um, but in the end, Klopp, di- uh, Klopp didn't loan him out because he felt that with losing Coutinho and we decided not to replace Coutinho straight away, that he just couldn't lose another attacking player. Um, so yeah, not you know, it, it felt like almost like a wasted year for Woodburn. Really, I think. I'm sure he probably still yeah. being part of the journey and being around the squad and yeah. he still would have taken stuff from it. But I think, yeah, what did he play? He played 45 minutes, I think, against Leicester in the League Cup. And then he played, he came off the bench, didn't he, on the last day of the Premier League season against Brighton. And that was it. You know, he didn't, that was that was his that was his year. Um, so I think, yeah, he'll, he'll be one, I'm sure, that he, he won't want to go through that again. Yeah. He'll... It's similar to those young players you mentioned before yeah. pre-season is going to be massive for him yeah. in terms of showing what he can do and then I think if he's not going to get regular game which yeah. it's difficult to see how he will or if yeah. he's not going to be a, a, you know, a regular impact sub then yeah. I'm sure he'll be one that we'll see go out on loan in August yeah. because yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't it wouldn't benefit him or Liverpool for him just to be sitting around yeah. for, for another year yeah yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about pre-season just a bit um but we know that in the, this transfer window, um, it's not just players that we're talking about here. Um, Klopp has a task in replacing key members in his back room. Yeah. Um, presumably there are vacancies now with regards to assistant manager position, uh, Buvac. Uh, what, sh- what we're reading and what we understand is that it's un- unlikely that he's going to come back. We don't know what the reasons are behind that. I'm not sure if you know as well. Uh, of course, Gerard has gone to Rangers. Um, and he's taken Beal with him, yep. of course. Um, and when Beal left, when he came back, uh, the, 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 the role was, that was created was a newly created position, head of coaching for foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure whether that role was strategic or not, or just to fit Beal back. Um, Andy Renshaw was sacked in October. Um, but positively, Pep Linders yeah. is available. We're reading that. Personally, I think he's perfect. Players love him. Yeah, Rob yeah. likes him. I think he's a great assistant manager, maybe. I'm not sure whether he wants that role or not. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah. And do you think that Klopp would get too distracted trying to fill these backroom positions instead of focusing on team? No, I don't, no, I don't think it'll be a distraction. I think uh, I, I think Pep Linders coming back is the most likely, the likely outcome. I know Pep... Pep Linders was in Kiev for the Champions League final yep. and it was around the was back around kind of the staff and even though, even though he left mid-season it was all very um, cordial in terms of you know Klopp completely knew you know he yeah. got it in terms of Pep felt it was a fantastic opportunity for him to go to Holland and, and, and manage and yeah. as it was it didn't work out um, the way he wanted to but there's no there's no kind of like 
hard feelings there. So yeah, I, d- I fully expect Liverpool to find room for Pep Linders this, this summer. You know, you'd, you'd have thought it would make sense for him to come in and, and replace Bovac. It doesn't, you know, waiting waiting for confirmation on Bovac. But the way I understand it is, is I was told it was highly unlikely he'd be coming back. Um, you know, various various. Um, ideas circulated in terms of exactly what's gone on there I think hand on heart I I can't say with any massive degree of certainty Um, you know I think it's not it's certainly not a case of there was a few personal issues and then it's a short term thing and he'll be back I think it's pretty clear that there's whatever's gone on it isn't suddenly going to write itself this summer I think Um, certainly certainly get the feeling there was some degree of friction between between him and Klopp whether that relationship had broken down or not I don't know but um, it, it looks like Liverpool will be moving on without him um, that's sad which yeah it was, I mean at the end of a long I think it's 17 years they've been been yeah. together and obviously with Mines and Dortmund and Liverpool um, so um, I understand that it's more professional rather than personal relationship yeah oh yeah 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 I, I, always, <clears throat> got, I always got that As impression I mean, he was a, it was a quite it wasn't Bovac was never a big personality around the place it wasn't like it, it, you know, it, it wasn't like it was. He looked cool though, looking like Severus Snape. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was. I mean, he was. I think the, the, what's interesting is the, the way the dynamic worked. Is obviously uh, Peter Krawitz, his other assistant, yeah. is, is more. He's very much an analyst yeah. as opposed to Bovac was the coach. Yeah. Um, and, and would Bovac was his main duties were spotting little things in terms of tactical bits. So at half time in the dressing room, they've got the big screen up and. Bovac would be the one who would be going, you know, you know the, the, the you know the right winger, you know the way that he's cutting inside or whatever, and, and pointing out little tactical things, and so that that's kind of the the kind of the void that Klopp will need to fill, um, and whether that's you know whether it's Pep Linders plus one other, um, or whether it's just Pep Linders, we'll have to wait and see, but. No, I don't. I don't think that would be a massive distraction for him because I think, okay. I think it would be more of a distraction if, if it had suddenly, if the Bovach thing had dropped in the middle of July and, um, but yeah, I think it, it's happened because the players have already been coached. They're not suddenly going to forget everything no, that they've learned. No, no, and um, and certainly if Linders came back, the play that would certainly go down very well with the players because I know they love, they loved his coaching sessions and. He's um, he's a really nice guy, Pep. Like I've done a few interviews with him, and he's very intense. Like he's a, he's just a pure football man in terms of he's just you know like, fascinating listening to him talk about the game because you can just amazing yeah just amazing stuff. Pu- like yeah, just absolute uh, it's just pure football football. football I, I learn a lot of stuff just watching the videos of training when on, on yeah on, uh, uh, TV. You hear him shouting instructions. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. Oh, wow. It's amazing stuff that yeah, you just yeah, get yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, and the players, the players absolutely like loved loved working with him. So yeah, if he comes back, that will be um, that'll be a smart move all round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about preseason. I'm gonna come very quickly to a landing uh, because uh, James has got to go to the zoo. He's got a date <laughs> with a hippo and a giraffe and, and some other animals. Okay, preseason has been announced. These guys obviously probably want to ask when Liverpool are going to come to Singapore again for a pre-season <laughs> go ahead and ask him he's here the man is here <laughs> he probably won't know the answer but will Liverpool be coming to Singapore for pre-season soon I hope so soon soon yeah. soon, soon. Is it t- 2009 was that the last time uh, 2011 there was an un- uh, last minute 
Because uh, Indonesia, the, the hotel they were staying there was bombed. Ah, so it was okay. Oh, but okay. technically it wasn't a... Yeah, it was yeah, bombed. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was bombed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's been too long. Because I've been, I've, I've been on those tours. Anyway, I've been to well, Jakarta, Hong Kong. See Bangkok a few times, and yeah, yeah. look, man, that was where I met you in Bangkok and, and Kuala Lumpur. Um, Singapore, look at this. So yeah, oh, I think gosh. it's certainly about time That's Liverpool. Exactly, yeah. It's certainly about time Liverpool came back to Singapore. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I think uh, it, it'd be perfect in terms of you know, the facilities here are, are top class. The the, the training facilities and all the rest of it so yeah. the new stadium as well so. yeah yeah so I hope, hopefully that will happen I mean obviously the way that Liverpool rotate it between yeah, of course. North America and then it's I think I don't think Klopp seems too keen on the Australia trips because um, I know obviously last last year obviously the kind of the trade-off was they went to Sydney to do a play an end of season friendly yeah. so then they only did Hong Kong as, as their pre-season tour Um so it'll be interesting to see whether they do something similar next year yeah. um, obviously with reaching the Champions League final this year that an end of season friendly was never seriously discussed but it would have been if Liverpool had, had, had got knocked out of the Champions League earlier um, but yeah I think it's um, be interesting to see what Liverpool do do because obviously there's other parts of Asia isn't there that they haven't you know Liverpool so, haven't played in no, Vietnam no, the yeah. other all the growing markets. Yeah, huge. Yeah, China. Yeah, yeah. I think only Guangzhou once. Yeah, once in China. So China, they... my God. I mean, on social media itself, look for huge in China. Yeah. huge, humongous. Yeah. I mean, it's a Hong Kong trip showed, uh, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's. I mean, wherever, wherever live, you know, the the fan base in Asia is just absolutely. And to think that this is a club and... that's not regularly been winning trophies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a kind of a disproportionate um, then level of. Frenzy and yeah. random. Yeah, I've got a question it's, actually. Because uh, yeah. when I was in Bangkok, I think it was probably where, where I met you, Lookman. I remember, I think it was maybe three, was it three years ago now? Was that been three years ago? Or? Yeah. And um, I just remember that the, the crowds for that tour were actually slightly down. And when I was speaking to people around there, they were saying, oh, the problem is because Liverpool haven't won anything recently, you see now see a lot more Man City shirts or Chelsea shirts yeah. or whatever. And they and they said also the other thing then three years ago was they said Liverpool haven't really got like a marquee player who you know who, who fans you know adore you know it was it was after Gerrard had, had retired and and I noticed a name that, on a shirt yeah kind of yeah, yeah. And, but it, I just wonder whether do you think that's now completely changed with obviously a it's it's not just about history because Liverpool were within touch and distance of the the European Cup and also Salah do you think have you noticed like do you think there is now a, even more interest in Liverpool do you think have you yeah. noticed like an increase in your supporters club or I think in 2015 um, some fans couldn't make the trip because of various reasons yeah. like I think on a personal level I'm very confident very very confident that over the years even though Liverpool hasn't been doing well there are so many Liverpool fans when you're a Liverpool fan when you see an Liverpool fan there's always that unspoken warm to each other yeah. just like I just met Joe just now you know there's that kind of warm and it's it's not just Liverpool is a family it's it's you support the team right even if they're not doing well we have so many supporters we may not be that uh, putting a lot of names at the back but that doesn't mean that the support has died down in fact I would dare say maybe a point to think about the fact that Liverpool hasn't been doing so well in the last few years 
and the fact that we have so many fans is testament that the fans support the club yeah, through thick and thin. Spot on. Yeah, yeah. Through thick and thin. Do you know that some fans in Singapore or generally fans in Singapore, whenever Liverpool don't do well, we don't hide ourselves. No. We wear the shirt the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wear it. Absolutely. We wear it. We tell yeah. people, I'm still a Liverpool fan. Absolutely. I am a Liverpool fan. Regardless of the result, period. We yeah. get ripped, of course, but okay. Yeah. 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 My social media will always get a lot of nonsense yeah. on the Facebook feed whenever Liverpool doesn't do well. I'll just write the same message as I always done. I'm still a Liverpool supporter. Yeah. I think um, if I was to answer this question, I think maybe yeah. I mean, from a from a marketing, I'm a marketing guy. <laughs> um, of course, a marquee player is gonna sell the club, sell the brand. Um, but after that, uh, at some point, um, you gotta you gotta continue to hang on. Otherwise, it's just gonna be a transaction, you know. Um, and supporting a football team could either be on a transactional relationship basis, or it could be on an emotional resonance basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's emotional resonance. For him, it's emotional resonance. For him, it's an emotional res- resonance. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I've been a, cl- a supporter of this club for f- close to four decades. Right. I mean, we're all around the same age, I think. Um, so I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows. Boy, for example. Oh shit! I just mentioned him. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. Um, and now we're seeing this rise again. Um, and it's like, hey, you know, for me, I think you know the really the glory is with us because we stuck on. You know, yeah, but yeah, hey, yeah. you guys say come on, believe in us, believe in this project, yeah. believe in this club, believe in the manager, believe in this team, believe in the culture. Yeah. Believe in these things first, you know. Um, now, of course, you've got a whole group of Egyptian fans coming to support the club. Liverpool FC, Mo Salah, you know, vote for him as Prime Minister of Egypt, although he's not a candidate. Um, I said, it's, you know, this is all great. And I tweeted, uh, I think about uh, before my uh, vacation, I said, very good. Come for Salah, stay for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come for Salah, yeah. but stay for stay Liverpool. Liverpool yeah. yeah, because... This, this stuff that, that Salah embodies to you, it's not specific to him, you know? It's, 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 it's very much um, speaks volumes about the supporters themselves. Yeah. That's what you say. Yeah. I think one thing we need to remember is that when you are a Liverpool fan, you know, we every season we will always look at it with positive, that we're going to do it, this is going to be our year, and then we will get a bit disappointed because things didn't go our way. But I always tell my, my, my non-Liverpool fans, I am a Liverpool f- supporter because it takes a lot of heart to be one. Yeah. Finish. Yeah. I mean, of course, some people call this delusion, but yeah, yeah. that's fine. I'm happily delusional, thanks. Um, uh, when I was in, in Italy, um, I spent some time in Rome, I spent some time in Napoli. And all of them, uh, and there was this one guy, uh, huge, um, uh, Napoli supporter um, and I was asking okay and, and, and I told him that I'm a Liverpool supporter so I asked him okay who do you support in the Champions League final and, and inevitably every single taxi driver Italian taxi driver anyone they said Liverpool ask them why the answer is for football yeah 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 for football yeah I said wow I salute yeah you recognise us for, for, for who we are what we how we play yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 
for the purity of um, of the game. Okay, um, but we do have a, a lot of US based listeners on our show, and they're very happy that um, we're going to to Charlotte. Uh, New Jersey and Michigan and all these kinds of things. Um, I think I read um, Real Sociedad have cancelled that game. Uh, I think it's one of the games against Liverpool because he doesn't want to face us uh, because he's afraid that he might get whacked before <laughs> before their next game against Alaves and that sets the team. It's a pretty valid concern. <laughs> um, um, what are you expecting from preseason? Uh, some being able to watch some very intensive training sessions I know that the um, it's uh, yeah it's, it's probably the one of the best times of the year actually in terms of uh, access for, for media on pre-season tours is, okay. is, 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 is brilliant especially when you go to the states um, because obviously the, the kind of in, in, in America the, the whole kind of culture is is very different in terms of you know the open training sessions and uh, so yeah, so it's always fascinating being able to yeah see Klopp at work and um, and, and you know and also chance to try and form uh, relationships with you know new signings that come in. Obviously, probably be on the tour of America. Hopefully, get the chance to sit down and speak to Naby Keita for the first time. Yeah. And, um, so it will yeah, it's always a it's always an exciting time of the year. And I think I think the players probably look forward to them more now because I think. Previously, the tours had seemed to be getting longer and longer and longer. And I remember like going on one tour of America that was almost like three weeks long, and you know, five different cities or six different cities. And I think the players found that like pretty, pretty yeah. tough. But I think yeah. Klopp, Klopp is he's been very kind of in control in terms of making sure those tours become shorter yeah. um, and make sure that they are, you know, they're all about the football rather than yeah. the commercial side of things. Yeah. And um, so and I think you know that that's why the, the the America trip will tick all the boxes for him in terms of the caliber of the opponents with Dortmund and Man City and Man United. You know, it's not you know they're not, they're not playing Mickey Mouse teams. <laughs> it's you know the proper proper games. Um, and as we said, you know, in great venues in front of massive crowds, um, there'll be some star men missing undoubtedly because of the World, the World Cup. Cup. But the other side of the coin is massive opportunity for for those on the fringes to, to force their way in and, and prove they've got a part to play in 2018-19 it's, it's going to be interesting because I mean again against Manchester City um, we're the only ones that gave them a tough time I mean they rolled of course yeah. congratulations to them anyone that, is, uh, that wins the Premier League deserves to win it because they did it over the long haul um, but we, we gave them a fight whenever they played, played us yeah. of course United we know the rivalry um, we know what's happening at Chelsea right now with the Abramovich thing, with Conti not getting the funds and some happiness and how they did this last season wasn't so great. Um, Wenger is out of, of Arsenal and they're dallying over their appointment. Um, Spurs, rumours of Pochettino being targeted by Real Madrid. It's Zidane leaving. Um, so we've got three people, three other clubs that are in and, out, in and amongst us in the mix in the top, top five, top six um, that are wobbly. Um, and we are going from strength to strength and we are reinforcing as well of course Manchester, Manchester City are going to splurge the cash uh, Manchester United are going to double that of course and, and, and buy uh, Marco Arnautovic the world beater <laughs> um, I'm not going to say anything guys just stifle your laughs yeah? <laughs> um, um, so you know it, it's the, the opportunity is, is open for us to, 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 to make a real, real punt for it 
for the for the for the league title. For me, that's my that's my, yeah. my uh, what I want. So I'm going to bring this in for a landing. I've got two only two other questions left. Um, the FA have confirmed the two week um, uh, winter break. Uh, Klopp has been a vocal proponent of this winter break. Yeah. Um, but do you think it's going to be a break or is it going to be a chance for maybe a side tour to? Yeah, we'll be interested to see how clubs how clubs do handle it. Yeah, because I think that was always the feeling, wasn't it? That even if they did bring it in. Clubs would then see it as a chance to jet off around the world and, and yeah, maybe do like a mini mid-season tour. And I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to see what what does happen. But I think for Kl- yeah, Klopp has always been massive that 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 you know that that would be hugely beneficial. I think obviously th- over the course of this season, I think I think he's sh- he's shown that he's adapted as well to the demands of English football with the way that. I think maybe last year Liverpool did run out of gas in terms of um, just the demands of playing for Klopp and in the second half of the season I think energy levels did dip I think this time around with the rotation of players earlier on in the season that helped Liverpool and even though we had injuries I think a lot of the injuries I don't think you could really pin them on training methods or being overexerted I think you know like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was just a horrible freak injury um, you mean Raymond Weyden doesn't have a the, theory on that <laughs> no Raymond okay. the, the egg as these, uh, as I these think he's got a picture now has he now got a picture yeah, yeah. maybe the, um, yeah, a well, picture I did, of an egg maybe yeah, <laughs> I, did, I did see that I think he he did actually pay Klopp a compliment didn't he on Twitter about a month ago but then he but then I think he also must, said been, a, it was, must have been the rapture but yeah I think he, <laughs> he effectively took the credit himself saying it was Klopp has learned because he's learned obviously off yeah such intelligent people like Raymond about how to deal with players <laughs> and the uh, but um, but no it's, it's got to be a good it's got to be a good thing but you're right it's only it, it, the whole point in the break is obviously for players to rest so if you do see then top clubs jetting off around the world it does defeat the object but we shall see but culturally I mean it's it's um, it's a tradition to have Christmas games Boxing Day so. we've been used to that yeah we're used to that yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah I don't think we'd want to lose that would we so Okay, um, final question. What are your expectations in terms of target achievements for the club um, next season? Or what would co- uh, what would constitute a successful season for you? Uh, next year. Next I, wa- I want to see Liverpool win a trophy, I think. Any trophy? A specific I, trophy? Well, the Premier League title would be nice. Yeah, that would okay. be... I mean, that has to be... That has to be the goal. That has to be the target. Um, it doesn't mean that if Liverpool don't win the title next season that it's been a flop because... I'd say this season has been a success um, and Liverpool what finished fourth and, and reached the Champions League final um, but yeah the, going for the Premier League title has to be it as you said before Liverpool proved they can beat the best team in England they beat them three times over the course of the season the, 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 the challenge now is to produce that kind of consistency over eight or nine months and the, the reason why Liverpool couldn't do that this season was effectively squad depth yeah. and also you know if they'd had Van Dijk for the whole season and not just the second half of the season that would have made a big big difference so I think yeah the Premier League title has to be a, a realistic target for next season um, and, and also having a really good shot at it In I think there's no reason why Liverpool can't go close in the Champions League again I think as we saw this season, the way that they play in Europe is, you know, there's, there's, there's now going to be a bit of a fear factor to face in Liverpool again. Um, I don't think anyone will fancy or would fancy taking them on. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think and Liverpool proving that this season wasn't just a one-off 
that it wasn't just one of those miraculous European adventures that happens once in a while and yeah. and they'll go back to being also rans again because I don't think that will happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's got to be a title challenge. That's yeah. that has to be that has to be the target. Um, Klopp's done a fantastic job at Liverpool so far, but he still hasn't won anything. And I think yeah, you want you you want that kind of off his back as soon as possible um, and yeah I think because you, you know Klopp, Klopp said before the Champions League final the, the hardest trophy to win is always the first one and then yeah. you know the, you, you look at what happened at Dortmund he won one and then another one quickly followed and um, hopefully 2018-19 will be the year that, that he wins his first trophy at Liverpool and then yeah. and then we get lift off perfect perfect Well, on that note, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this interview. Uh, thank you very much, James. We're pretty good weather, not too humid. I haven't bathed for two days, so my armpits smell like cheese, but so is James. <laughs> the guys on Twitter said he'll, he oh, loves that, I did that, wonder what I was. So, <laughs> well, thanks, James. Gee. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks very much, James, for, no for being part no of the show. Thanks for um, having me. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks no to, to Lokman as well. Uh, thanks Cheers. to Henry. Well, well done. Uh, Cheers, and Henry. Thank you very much, listeners. I uh, hope to talk to you soon. Uh, thanks uh, to the uh, official Liverpool Supporters Club uh, of Singapore as well as all the various Facebook pages uh, that have sent us uh, questions. I'll, I've mentioned them at the start of the show. Uh, and of course, our own uh, website and Twitter account. Uh, talk to you guys soon and uh, take care. And once again, thank you for listening in to this special interview with James Pierce while on his holiday here in uh, Singapore. Uh, my thanks again also uh, to our Twitter family who have submitted questions, all the commenters on our website at www.foresite.com who submitted questions. Uh, also not forgetting all the questions that uh, came in through the Facebook pages, uh, such as uh, Singapore LFC Cop Talk. Uh, shout out to Prashant uh, and Prem over there. Uh, also the um, You Never Walk Alone SG Facebook page, the uh, LFC SG news page, uh, and the Liverpool FG, FC at SG uh, Facebook page, and of course the official Liverpool Supporters Club for Singapore. Uh, to take us home is a song uh, called We Are Singapore uh, in commemoration of our upcoming National Day on the 9th of August. Uh, Singapore turns 53 years old. Uh, coincidentally enough, uh, James Pierce's son, Max, uh, celebrates uh, his seventh birthday, did he tell me? Oh no, his sixth birthday uh, on the 6th of August. So uh, a very, very advanced birthday wishes to you, Max, and advanced birthday wishes to Singapore as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe to The Forecast um, and on iTunes or a variety of Android platforms. Just search Forecast. That's F-O-A-R-C-A-S-T and you will be notified when new episodes are released. So talk to you really soon and take care. How many times have you heard them say The future is uncertain and everything must change Well all of my worries and all of my fears Begin to lose their weight when I hold you near If all that we are is what we believe Then I know I gotta be the change I wanna see How easy we forget that
Everything takes time No, nothing's ever perfect But I still call it This is my flag, this is my future. 